Let's give God praise. We just said we're going to worship him. Let's do it. We give you praise, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence here this morning. God, we give you everything. We give you our attention, Lord. Speak to us now through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five as you take your seats. Well, welcome to church this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. You're an amazing group of people, and I love you. Are you excited to be here? I love the 11 o'clock service. It's my favorite. I'm just going to say it, okay? This is the most consistently passionate service at our church. Yes, it's you. Today is Vision Sunday. And I'm excited to share with you what God's put on my heart and what he's doing at this church. Vision, coming from a leader, it's a compelling image of an achievable future. It's seeing what does not yet exist. And what I'm going to talk about today, parts of this exist and parts of this are still in the process of manifesting themselves. And we're just going to talk about what we're about and where we're going, okay? Let's do it. Luke chapter 5. I'm going to start there with the word of God. It says, one day... As Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them there and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out onto the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank you for speaking to our hearts today through your word. God, we open ourselves up to receive from you. We want to hear your voice. Lord, we want to apply your truth to our lives so that we can grow. God, we're ready. We're listening. We're here for you. In Jesus' name, everyone said. I love how all of our church's mission, our values, and even our vision for the future are present in this passage of Scripture. That's why I started out reading a passage of Scripture for you because that's what we're really all about. That's why we're here. I love what we read in verse 1. It said, great crowds pressed in on Jesus. Why? To listen to the word of God. That's what they wanted. They wanted the word of God. Here's what we are about. At Generation Church, we will pursue Jesus and stand on God's word. That is a commitment. It will never change. That's what we are here for. We are going after Jesus. Like that crowd, we're pressing towards Jesus, and we stand on the truth of God's word unashamedly. 
And that will never change. Now, there are too many churches, sadly, in our country that are compromising on the truth of God's word because they don't want to offend people and they want to be politically correct more than they want to be obedient to God. That will never happen here. We will always uphold the word of God. In John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you will really are my disciples. That's what we're doing. We're continuing in his word. We're committed. We will give the truth and we will give grace. That's what John chapter 1 said. Jesus came from the Father full of truth and full of grace. And people are afraid of truth because truth hurts. But when you do what Jesus did and you give people the truth with grace, they can receive it. Because, yeah, the truth might hurt, but grace brings hope, healing, and restoration. So, yeah, give me the truth because I love it. I love it. It's gra- I'm grateful for it. It helps me. And I'm even gr- more grateful for that grace that saves me. Amen? Now here's what Jesus says next to Peter. I love this. He says, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. These guys, they were fishermen, in case you didn't pick up on that. And uh, they'd been out fishing all night, and they were empty-handed. I mean, that, that's disappointing. And, and obviously, it's frustrating. Have you ever gone fishing and not caught anything? Yes. It's like the worst. It makes you question life. Like, what am I doing out here? It's just... So, fr- and, and even more so when it's your livelihood and you're depending on it to feed yourself and your family. But here's Jesus. He comes out and he says, go out deeper. And man, here's what really stuck out to me in that. In 2017, God is saying to our church, it's time to go deeper. It is. It's time for you to go deeper. I want to see you go deeper in all the different aspects of your life. Some churches, they try to kind of keep it shallow at the expense of the believers, and others try to be deep at the expense of the non-believers. We don't want to do either of those things. At Generation Church, it's easy to jump in, but it's better to go deep. I, I don't want the shallow end of the pool to get a bad rap. I'm grateful for the shallow end. I like the shallow end. That's how you get into the water, right, sometimes. Like, sometimes you got to wade in the water, and you got to get yourself in there. The shallow end is where you frolic and play and eat popsicles in the sun. Your mom puts sunscreen on you, and you play volleyball. Like, there's good things that happen in the shallow end. But in the deep end, you eat. And the deep end is where you work. That's how you sustain yourself. God wants you to come on, jump on in. It's fun. Play in the shallow end for a few minutes. Now it's time to go deeper. It's even better when you go deeper. It's up to you, though. It's really up to you. Some people will say, like, oh, I want to go deeper. It's like, then go deeper. It's like when you read the Bible, right? It's up to you how much you get out of it. You can read it on the surface level. You can just open your Bible, flip to the pages. Like, this is what a lot of you do. I know when you're like, I should read the Bible. And you're like, meh, I'll start here today, okay? And it's okay. Like, you know, you'll get something good out of it, like on the surface at least. But you could do that. Or you could spend your whole life digging into the word of God. But you'll never be able to get as deep as it is. I mean, but it's up to you. It's up to you how you approach it. God wants to see you go deeper spiritually in community, and in generosity. He wants you to go deeper spiritually. He wants you to grow in your prayer life. He wants you to talk to him more. You know, like some of you guys, when you started, when you started in a serious relationship with a woman, you found out how important communication is. Amen? 
and you learn that's an important part of every community, every relationship. Communication is important. It's the same with God. He wants to hear from you in prayer. He wants you to read your Bible. It's going to help you. It's going to guide you. So many of the questions that you ask about life are already answered in God's word. He wants you to press towards Jesus like that crowd. He wants you to seek more of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You know you can have more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Oh, my gosh. Did you realize this? You just got to ask for it. You just have to want it. And then when you go deeper spiritually, part of that means that you start to grow deeper in your commitment to obedience. Oh, that's not a very sexy word in church, right? But, like, obedience is a part of going deeper. Like, so many of you, you say, like, oh, I want God to show me his plan for my life, but he already has, and he's waiting for you to obey what he's already shown you. Now, I'm starting out too hard for this message. I know, okay. We want to see you grow deeper spiritually. That's why we're starting G201. You guys have all heard of 101? The next step is 201. It's very complicated, but it's the next step after 101. 201. 101 is where you learn about the church, how to get involved and serve. 201 is where you're going to learn some practical tools and steps to develop a fruitful pattern of living in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And listen, if you've been saved a short amount of time or if you've been saved a long time but you need to get back on track in your walk with God, go to 201. It's required to become a scriptural member of the church. And being a member scripturally just says, I'm going to do the things that the Bible describes for fruitful, committed members of a church body to do. I'm going to make that a part of my life. I'm committed to it. So go to 201. I want to encourage you. The, the first class is next week. Next week. Check it out in your bulletin. God wants you to go deeper in community. He doesn't want you just coming into church on Sunday, checking it out, and then checking out. That's what too many people do. They come into church on Sunday. They're like, oh, that was nice. Then they go home, and it doesn't even cross their mind again until next Sunday, and they wonder why they're not getting a lot out of it. You can, you can get good things out of coming to church, but if you want to have everything that God has for you, you're going to have to be in a community with other Christians. You have to be in relationship with other Christians. You cannot grow outside of community, I promise you. Not on a sustainable basis. You need to know other people, and you need to allow other people to know you. You have to open up. Allow people to come along in your life to encourage you and support you and pray with you and challenge you. One of the ways you do that here is joining a life group. How many of you are grateful for your life group? Some of you have not yet experienced the joy of being in a life group, and I want you to join a life group. Listen to me. I just want to make it very clear so you know. I want you to join a life group, okay? Like, it's so good for you. Carve out that part of your week every other week when we have life groups, okay? And commit to it for your own sake. I don't get anything when you go to life groups. Like, it doesn't, I don't get, like, anything out of it. I want it for you, okay? Make it a part of your life. Be a part of a life group. Deeper in community. He wants to go deeper in generosity. He wants to see you give and grow in generosity. One of the most sincere and authentic signs of growing in your walk with God is that you grow in generosity. Man, you can talk a good talk, but when you are giving generously to the Lord, that's talk, walking it out there, man. You can't fake that. Growing in generosity with your time, how you love other people, right, how you serve other people, and also with your finances. 
God wants to see you grow in generosity, not just this year, but every year. But I think especially this year, God wants to see our church go deeper in generosity. God wants to see you living the 10-10-80 principle in your life. The 10-10-80 principle says, I'm going to give the first 10% to God because it's his. I'm putting him first. It's called tithing. And then I'm going to save the next 10% because that's biblical wisdom and I can sleep better at night knowing that I'm not going to get destroyed by an unexpected event. And I'm going to live on the other 80%. This is a novel idea for Americans, okay? The average American lives on 108% of his income. That's not sustainable. That's why so many people are drowning in credit card debt. God wants to see you live the 10-10-80 principle and experience financial peace in your life. That's how you do it. And we've got classes that can help you with that, financial peace and other types of things. But it's a heart check. When you start to put God first in your finances, it's a check on your heart. That's why scripture says you can't serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. Money competes for your heart and for your devotion. So growing in generosity, putting God first, that's the first step to go deeper in generosity. And now all of us in this room, we can take our next step. Like I've talked about before, if you're giving nothing to God, take the first step and give something. If you're giving something, give something more significant. Make it a percentage. Commit to doing it on a regular basis. If you've already been giving something significant, then commit to tithing at that 10% level. That's where the Bible actually promises you that God is going to bless you beyond what you can contain. You want to get in on that. Trust me, it's amazing. And then you can go even beyond that as you grow in faith, and you can go into spirit-led sacrificial giving. And that's when God will do amazing things through you, and you can be a part of building his kingdom. Whenever you're challenged to go deeper, there's a natural tendency to push back. Sometimes it comes from fear or doubt or laziness or frustration. That's what we saw from... Our boy Peter, in verse 5, he said, Master, we worked hard all last night, and we didn't catch a thing. So, you know, if you say so, I guess, you know, I'll, I'll let the nets down again. Like, you can hear the exasperation in his voice, right? Like, I can just hear him, like, right, he sounds like a junior higher right here. Jesus said, go out deeper, let down your nets. But, Master, we worked hard all last night, and we didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, gosh. Right? I can just hear it, right? And he's like, I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But here's what he, ha- here's what he did. He said, I'm going to honor you as my authority. That's why honor is a value at our church. At Generation Church, we know that honor brings God's blessing and protection. If you want God's blessing in your life, you've got to learn how to honor God. If you want to be protected from all kinds of mistakes, if you don't want to have to learn the hard way every time, I mean, we all do sometimes, but if you don't want to do it again every time, you got to learn how to honor God in your life. We want to see a church where there's a culture of honor, where children learn to honor their parents. Amen? Come on. I mean, I'm a, I was like, I thought you were going to be really excited about that. We want to see workers learn to honor their employees. We want to learn... See, citizens learn how to honor their governing officials. It's not easy, but God will help us. God wants Christians to honor their pastors. Do you know that God loves you enough to call people to lead you and serve you as pastors? So much how he loves you. Honor for authority is actually honor for God. And here's what he says in 1 Samuel 2. God says, those who honor me, I will honor 
So if you want to experience God's blessing and protection in your life, take this principle of honor. Make it a part of your culture, your family's lifestyle. Honor for God means we obey his commands and we do what he told us, he told us to do. And, and we honor him with, with obedience. The opposite of honor is rebellion. And the Bible says that rebellion is as witchcraft. Rebellion is the root of all sin. It's our default mode as humans to dishonor and rebel against authority. Um, that's why, really, we have sin in this world. You know, the angel Lucifer rebelled against God. He was cast out of heaven. Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God when they disobeyed him and they ate the fruit. That's why you got spanked when you were a little kid because you rebelled against your parents. I got the scars to show it, you know. Like, I've learned the hard way. Take it from me. It's a lot easier. You're free to, to not do this. You are free to not honor God, to not honor authority with your life. You'll just miss out on the blessings that God has for you, and you'll experience all the pain that comes from learning the hard way. Like, I've tried it. It's not fun. Peter chose to honor Jesus, and he's like, okay. And he went out deeper, and he threw out his nets as instructed, even though it didn't make sense. And look at the next verse, verse 6. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. Oh, that's, that's what I'm talking about, right? Like their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. I mean, how many of you want your life to be so blessed that the nets begin to tear in your life? You know, like, I don't want my pants to tear, but I want my nets to start to tear. Like, and I've experienced both. <laughs> we serve a God who is so generous, don't we? He cared about those guys, and, and they had been out fishing, and they were frustrated. They caught nothing, and he's like, man, I just want to bless you guys. I'm going to encourage you. And so he sent them out, and they obeyed him. They honored him. They went out deeper. They cast their nets back out, and he blessed them. At Generation Church... We will lead the way with irrational generosity. We are going to be a generous church because God has already been generous to us. Do you want your life to be blessed? Well, then you have to learn how to be generous. And it comes like we talked about giving of our time, of our talent and our treasure, putting God first in your finances. I'm emphasizing this because it's so beneficial for you. And God wants you to experience the blessing that comes from putting God first in your finances. Do you recognize that everything you have came from God? Do you believe that everything that you have belongs to God? Some of you are like, yes. And others you are like, what? I earned that, right? Like, I worked at Chipotle for that. Like, but then you start to put it together, and you're like, oh, wait, like God gave me the breath in my lungs and the health and the job I have and the ability to earn. And so, oh, yeah, okay, I see now. Everything I have does belong to God. And when you put him first in your finances, you're acknowledging that. You're saying, God, I trust you to provide for me better than I can provide for myself. And then the rest of your life falls into order once you put him first in your finances. Trust me, it's amazing. People will always be like, you know, I can't do it. We talk about tithing. It's like, I can't do it. I can't afford to do it. It's like, think about it. Go through your budget sometime and look at how much money you spend on things that don't really matter. Netflix, lattes, pizza. Trust me, I, I, know, I know it's, it's normal to push back, right? Like, like Peter, like, we were out fishing all night and we tried. Like, it's like, no, listen, listen, you can do it. If you want to see the nets in your life busting, you can't make excuses. You don't even have to have a lot of faith. You just need a little faith. 
This is faith the size of a mustard seed will move mountains with God. And if you want to receive God's blessing in your life, you just got to learn how to be generous and trust him and honor him. And you'll learn it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's not just a Christian saying. That's biblical truth. Check this out. Verse 7. They got their nets full. It says, they had a shout for help that brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Okay, so these guys' nets were full. They called their friends over. Friends came over. Partners came over. Now they're both pulling up fish, both pulling up the nets. Both boats so full of fish, it's like Jesus made it rain on them, on the verge of sinking. Okay. I want friends like that in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like friends who say, yo, bro, hey, I got so much blessing in my life. I need you to come over here and help me out with this. Like I got, you got to take some of this off my hands. That's what I want. You know that God wants to use you that way to bless other people in your life? God has blessed you to be a blessing to others. And God's blessing in your life will spill over to the other people around you. I want to see you bless other people so much you start to sink their boats. We're going to need a bigger boat. Hello. That's what I want to see. Your, your blessed life, your family is going to be a blessing to other people. As you start to put Jesus at the center of your family, you're going to find all kinds of amazing things start to happen. Your, your relationship with your spouse will start to get stronger and healthier, even a little easier, and even a little sexier, you know. Your relationship with your kids will start to get better, and you'll be like, oh, thank God. And then other people in your life around you, your friends, your, your coworkers, your neighbors, they're going to look at you, and they're going to be like, huh, how did you do that? Right, like, how did you get that? I, I want to get in on that. And you're going to be able to tell them. You're going to say, hey, man, I put Jesus at the center of my family, and you can experience this too. And you're going to bless them. As you are blessed financially and your nets are busting and your boats are sinking, you're going to be able to bless other people. Scripture says we continue to be blessed so that we can continue to be more generous. You're going to be financially blessed when you put God first, and you're going to be able to be a greater blessing to people around you. You're going to be able to build God's kingdom and reach more people. And one of the ways we do that is through our kingdom builders giving. You know, in the first quarter of 2017, our church is giving to kingdom builders. That's outreach, missionaries, church planning, social justice causes, and all kinds of things like that. It's 200% higher than it was in the first quarter of last year. Oh, my goodness. That's because many of you are growing and going deeper in generosity. And some of you in this last year have discovered the joy of generosity for the first time. And you're like, this is amazing. It's sacrificial giving, but it's being a blessing to other. You're going to be a blessing to other people spiritually. You're going to have more love and joy and peace in your life. And that's going to rub off on other people. They're going to start to sink their boats with love and joy. They're going to look at you and they're going to say, how do you have so much peace in your life? How come you still have joy even though you're going through this? And you're going to tell them, man, I, I've experienced this because of, because of Jesus Christ. You're going to be able to bless them. In 2017, God is calling us as a church to be a greater blessing to those around us. 
in so many ways. And we're going to increase the amount of outreach we do. We're going to be giving more to kingdom builders. And personally, each and every one of us in our own lives, at your job, in your neighborhood, in your family, God is going to use you this year to be a greater blessing to other people. And you're going to find it's greater to be a blessing even than to be blessed. In fact, one of the greatest ways to experience God's blessing is by being a blessing to other people. You're going to discover this. It's going to be amazing for you this year. In verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, all these fish, it was a miracle. He realized, I just experienced the power of God. He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him, his partner James and John. They were also amazed. It says he fell to his knees. He was awestruck. He was overwhelmed by God's power and presence in his life. And now I know somebody probably would have been watching that and they'd been like, oh, so dramatic, Peter. Come on. It's just some fish. You know, this church is known as a passionate church. And I love that. You know, it's okay to be passionate. You can be passionate without being totally weird. <clears throat> You're just a little weird, you know. <laughs> like, we're a little weird. We're so passionate, but we're also cool at the same time. You know, like, just going to own it, right? You just If you got it, flaunt it. There's a, there's a passionate church filled with passionate people. Why? Well, it's because we've experienced, like Peter, God's power and presence in our lives. If Peter would be awestruck and overwhelmed at God's power and all he got were some fish and we've seen the empty tomb and the resurrected Jesus and we've received forgiveness of sins and eternal life, how can we not be passionate about what God has done? I love that every week people come to this church hungry to experience God's power and presence. Just like we read in verse 1, the crowds, they pressed in around Jesus. They were getting closer. They're trying to get people out of their way. That's what I want to see in our church. That looks so much different than, man, my mom made me go to church today. That looks so much different than when someone's like, oh, you know, I go to church every few weeks when I feel like it, you know. Like, it's, it's good enough. Passion will change your whole entire experience with God. And it's not something that you have to force. It's the natural result of the position God has put us in. It's not about your personality even. I've said this before. It's a product of your position. You were a slave to sin. Now you've been made a child of God. How can you not be passionate about that? And, like, I get it, introverts. You'd be like, I'm an introvert. Hey, you can still be passionate as an introvert. I'm introverted. You can be passionate introvert in Jesus' name. And here's how passion is expressed, with expectation, desperation, and celebration. You come into God's presence with expectation, passionately saying, I can't wait. I'm anticipating that God is going to do something in my life today. I'm anticipating that God is going to do something in my church, in someone else's life. You know that in Scripture, every time someone came to Jesus anticipating God to do something in their life, God did something in their life. Because he always responds to anticipation, which is a result of faith. You come in with desperation. Even though you've been saved for a while, man, like you can still be desperate for God. 
You can still say, God, I cannot do this without you. God, I need you in my life. This is a great prayer. Just pray this every day. God, we will not go if your presence does not go with us. I'm desperate for your power today. I need more of you in my life. And we will come into this place with celebration every week. Saying, I can't stop. I won't stop praising the name of Jesus because he has set me free. And you're going to experience this passion in our church in different ways. You're going to notice that when people come up into this lobby and stuff, there's people out there loving on each other and laughing and excited. That's not fake. That's real. That's the joy of the Lord in their heart. You're going to come into church and you're going to hear this sermon. And you're going to notice that while we have this preaching thing going on right now, people in the room are like so rude. They're interrupting and they're talking and stuff. That's, that's okay, though. It's a good thing. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 4 that the word of God is living and active. And so I believe that our interaction with the word of God should be living and active. When you were growing up, your mama said, don't talk back. But now your pastor says, do talk back. <laughs> so when you hear some, something good, you know, you agree. You can talk. You can respond to what God is saying through the word of God. You can help me preach this message right now by getting excited about what God is saying to you. And your excitement, your passion will encourage people around you. You're going to see people passionate in their worship for God when we're doing that whole music thing. How many of you just love that part of service? You just got to know I'm all about that. I grew up playing the drums in church on our worship team. You know, the Bible actually talks about shouting for joy, clapping your hands, singing with your mouth, Raising your hands, talks about using instruments in the worship of God, the cymbals, the electric guitars, you know, that's like the modern version. And it's not just karaoke that we're doing up in here. We're worshiping God with our soul. You know, you're saying, man, God, you are great and greatly to be praised. I'm not singing because my week was so awesome. I'm singing because you're so awesome and you never change. And so look, I want to encourage you to join in to worship. I, I, get, I know this is true. Some of you in this room, you come to church, we go into that time of worship, and you want to participate in a greater way. Oh, I know it's true. You want to enter in. In your heart, all this stuff is happening. You're getting excited. You're feeling drawn to God. You're feeling overwhelmed about what he's done in your life. And you want to respond more. You want to sing louder. You want to clap. You want to raise your hands. You want to shout for joy. But you don't. Why don't you? I know why. Like Peter, he said, I'm such a sinful man. Please leave me. One of the reasons people don't worship is because they don't feel like they're worthy to worship God. And they think, you know, like, if I raise my hands, it's like some kind of super Christian maneuver. And my neighbor's going to look at me and say, like, you're such a hypocrite. Like, who are you to be raising your hand like some super Christian? That's not a super Christian maneuver. That's a person saying, like, hey, man, I've been saved by the grace of God. I can do anything to save myself. It's not about me. It's about him. You know what, the other people around you, when you worship him, you know, like, I just want to encourage you. Like, you can do that thing. You can raise your hands. You're doing it in victory. You're doing it in surrender to God. And when, if other people do look at you, they're not going to be judging you. They're going to be encouraged by you. They're going to say, like, oh, 
if God is moving into that guy's life, maybe he can do something in my life. You know, I know people from all different church backgrounds, different denominations, and maybe they're used to a more conservative worship style. Will you just trust me when I tell you that it's better this way? It's just more fun. It's more biblical, and it's really what God wants. He wants us to worship with all of our hearts, and I am sick of seeing men get out-worshipped by the women in this church. It's time for the men to step up. Lead the way, men. Peter said, I'm a sinful man. Please leave me. He had this come-to-Jesus moment. He had the one day, like we talk about with our volunteers, the one-day principle. We say, you know, hey, every Sunday is somebody's one day. Every Sunday there's somebody in this church, and this will be the one day that they finally encounter God. Grandma's been praying for him for 20 years. His mom's been praying for him. for. And Today is going to be somebody's one day, and that's why everything we do matters. That's why the parking lot greeters matter, and the nursery workers matter, and the person cleaning the building on Thursday, it matters. Because every Sunday is somebody's one day, and it was Peter's one day. He had a come-to-Jesus moment. He encountered him, and he's like, man, I can't believe, i just seen God. I've seen God's power. He said, leave me, I'm a sinful man. And here's what Jesus said to him. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. You'll be fishing for people. Here is Peter, a self-confessed sinful man. We can relate to that. And Jesus has just recruited him to be the leader of his church. This is good for us. This means that God can use messed up people in his mission. Jacked up people can join in, including us, right? You don't have to be perfect to be used by God. You just have to be willing. In fact, God loves to use broken people because it glorifies him even more. He's like, look what I did with her. Isn't that amazing? Only I could do that. <laughs> he wants to use you. Generation Church is a place where messed up people can join in and, and be a part. Now, this is a healthy church, okay? It's healthy because we got healthy people, and that's what we want. I want you to be healthy personally in your life, and if you're healthy personally, we're going to have a healthy church. Here's the thing. Healthy things grow. One of our values of this church is growth. We want to reach people, and as we reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ, the church will grow, and we're committed to this. We want to grow. At Generation Church, we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. We'll do anything. If it's not a sin, we'll try it. We'll do some crazy things. We'll do some things people are going to look at us and be like, you did what? You're like, hey, we're trying anything. If it's not a sin, we'll do it. Because we're going to try to reach people, as many as we can. We want our church to be busting at the seams. We want our boats to be almost sinking. That's what we want. I want a church filled with so many people that the overflow room is full. The parking lot is full. You come here early so you can get a seat, and then you come in and you have to, like, fight with someone to get your seat. But then you make up because you're Christians, and you hug. And you're like, I'm sorry. And now some people will be like, well, I don't like big churches. But listen, you might be afraid of being a part of big church. You think, I won't know everyone. But look at what we read in verse 1. It said, great crowds pressed in on him. What kind of people do you think were in that crowd pressing into Jesus? Messed up people, jacked up people, 
thieves, prostitutes, business owners, moms, kids, they all have one thing in common. They all needed Jesus. And that's the thing. Everyone needs him, and they need what he has to offer. You cannot say that it's important to you that lost people find salvation in Christ if you don't celebrate church growth. I'm thankful that Jesus was not afraid of having a big church. Man, it says God so loved the world that he sent his son. It says God was not willing that any should perish. He wants as many people to go to heaven as possible. If you don't like big church, you will not like heaven. It's going to be a big church. And it's going to be great. Everything we do here is so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. So we're passionate about seeing God do for someone else what he's already done for us. And we're going to keep working. We're going to keep pushing. We want to see more people come to know him. Jesus has called you to be a fisher of men, to fish for people. That's your purpose. Discipleship is important too, but you got to catch them before you can clean them. You know what I'm saying? How do you fish for people? How do you fish for people? I want to be um, able to give you some guidance on this, okay? You fish for people the way that you fish for fish. It's not precision marksmanship, right? Jesus illustrated for us what it looks like. Those guys took big old nets, they threw them out into the water, and they pulled up everything they could. That's how we fish for people. Now, if you've been a Christian for a long time, maybe you've heard someone say, like, what about false converts? I'm not worried about false converts, right? Like, we'll catch them, God will sort them. When you're pulling nets full of fish into your boat, a couple might flop out. But you're going to catch a lot more than you lose. That's what we're doing. We want bigger nets. We want to reach as many people as we can. We want to catch as many people as we can. Our nets are local churches. That's the most powerful evangelistic weapon in the kingdom of God. It's the local church filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's God's plan A to reach the world through Jesus is the local church. See, because people, they wake up, it's statistically proven when they realize on that day that there's something missing or broken in their life or something new and overwhelming, the thing that they're most likely to do is look up a local church to go to. They're going to look for a church. God has been doing great things at this church. Amazing things. And if you've been here the last few years, you've seen hundreds upon hundreds of people give their life to Christ and be baptized. In 2016, we were recognized as one of the 100 fastest growing churches in America. And since then, it's been growing even more. Someone at that point will usually say, it's not about the numbers. It is. There's a whole book of the Bible called Numbers. So, like, you're obviously wrong, but <laughs> here's the truth. Numbers matter because people matter, and every number has a name. Your three kids matter to God. Your eight neighbors matter to God, and we're off to a good start. We want to reach more people, but we've got a long way to go. Amen? We're just getting started. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you, this is to you, 
will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It started in Jerusalem. That's where they were locally. That was their home turf. They got to work telling people about Jesus, but they didn't stay there. They spread out from there. And they didn't wait to spread out until they had saved everyone in Jerusalem. They just got busy going all over the place. Now, we've been seeing amazing things happen here in the East Valley, but we got to go out from here. We want to reach even more people. We know that God's doing something great here, but we know that the average person will only drive about 20 minutes to go to church. If you drive farther than that already, God bless you. I love you. You're my favorite, okay? But the average person won't, right? And so we want people to experience what God is doing here. And that means that God willing, in 2017, Generation Church is going to multiply, expand, and stretch across the valley. And we're going to do that by having other church campuses and other places in the valley. So that people who were outside of our sphere before, now we can reach them. We're getting a bigger net, right? We're going to get a bigger net so we can see more people come to know Jesus. This is going to happen sooner than I even think maybe some of you recognize. So I've got my big announcement for today. Starting with this video, check this out. As Christians, our mission is to reach people far from God so that they can experience new life in Jesus and all the amazing things that come with that new life. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, You will receive power when my spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus really set the pattern for us in how to do ministry, that we should start locally where we're at, reaching people with the gospel, and then move out from there to reach more people and build the kingdom as God gives us the opportunity. 25 years ago, Beth and I moved to Arizona to plant a church. We wanted to see God change lives, and it's been an amazing adventure. I believe with all my heart that the best is yet to come, and God has a vision and a plan for this ministry, and I'm really excited about what the future holds. A little over five years ago, our daughter Amy, who is one of the best children's pastors in the world, married Ryan Visconti. Some time ago, we start exploring the possibility of joining our two churches together. What difference and impact could we make by doing that? And what we really came to the conclusion is that we would be so much better together. Beth and I both feel along with our church councils that God is leading us to join together with Generation Church to be one church at two campuses. I actually believe with all of my heart that we really would be better together and that we could reach more people than we ever could alone. So what can you do? First is to celebrate with us this incredible opportunity that God has given us. It's just truly exciting. Then is explore. Check out the frequently asked questions document that we're making available at both of our church campuses and online and come to one of the informational meetings that we're gonna be holding at each location where we're gonna to try to answer any questions that you might have. And lastly, and most importantly, is to pray. Pray with our leadership team that we would get clear guidance from the Holy Spirit, that we would receive wisdom from the Lord as we move forward in this process. Pray for the people who do not yet know Jesus that we wanna see reached in this effort and pray for God's blessing on our church. 
as we come together that everything we do would glorify him. Amen. How amazing is that? Many of you guys already know New Life Church in Ahwatukee off the I-10 in Elliott. It's an amazing church in that community led by Pastor Paul and Beth, my father-in-law and mother-in-law. And they are just doing incredible things. And this is a very rare type of situation where two healthy churches would join together because they realize, hey, we'd be even more effective together than we would be independently. So that's what we're doing. That's why we're going to come together. Just a month ago, our church boards at both places voted unanimously to come together. On May 7th, the members at New Life Church are going to vote to confirm this decision. And they're going to launch as Generation Church Awatuki on June 4th, God willing. How amazing is that? Man, you guys, this is so exciting because our church family is going to grow and expand in a significant way. There's going to be hundreds of people that you're just going to love as you have opportunities to meet them. Some of you live closer to there, and you're going to even find that you like going there better. I don't know, like you far drivers. Like, and God's going to reach people through this effort that we weren't reaching before. It's going to be amazing. Now we got to frequently asked questions document for you when you leave here this morning at the door. Um, they'll answer maybe some of the questions that you have because there's a lot with this. There will be changes. There will be changes here. There'll be changes there. But it's worth it because we're going to see more people come to know Jesus. Now, it's normal, to, it's normal to ask, how does this affect me? It's going to affect you in some ways, mostly all in just awesome, beneficial ways. But I want to kind of point out something here. I want, to, I want to think about something with you. I think all this talk about boats this morning has made me think about my honeymoon. When we went on a cruise, I went on a cruise. It was great. It was amazing. When the boats are rocking, don't come and knocking. Okay, I just said it one time. I'm going to get in trouble now, but that's okay. I was there to eat. I was there to be entertained. I was there to relax and have a good time and other things. And... A lot of people come to church, and they have a cruise ship mentality. That's the truth. That's, what, that's the way a lot of people function. They go into church, and they have this mentality like, I'm here to eat. I'm here to relax. I'm here to be entertained. That's not what God has for us. And the average church, just speaking generally, there's probably about three groups of people. There's one group of, of new Christians, hopefully, like there are here, new believers. They're just kind of figuring it out. There's another group people who are doing it. They are all in. They've gone deeper. They're serving. They're giving. They're participating. And then there's a group of a, another third of people I would say that are, they're just kind of like living life, la vida loca, on the cruise ship, maybe making excuses why they haven't gotten more involved, maybe waiting for that moment when the stars align that they can finally take their next step. I want to encourage you, if you're a part of that group, I'm not calling you out, but you know if I'm talking to you, to move, to step up, to go deeper, and to make a difference. You can make excuses or you can make a difference, but you can't do both. God wants you to go deeper. God wants you to be a fisher of people. God wants you to make a difference in this world, make a greater impact in your community. He wants to use you in your unique gifts and personality to reach people far from him. And you can do it. You can be used by God. In this next season, it is the time for everyone to step up. Because this, this campus that we're going to have in Ahwatukee, it's the first of many to come, I believe. 
And in order for this to happen, we ain't on a cruise ship. You just got to know that. At Generation Church, we are not a cruise ship. We are a battleship. That's why we are here. We are here to fight, not to cruise. We're going to have fun along the way. There's going to be good times. But on a battleship, everybody knows they're there. They're there to fight. They're there as part of the mission. They're there to contribute, not just to consume. They are there to make a difference. It's all hands on deck. The stakes are too high for anyone to just sit on the sidelines. We are in this together, and we can only do it together. We got to do it together. So everyone, this is a time for you to look inside, down deep, and just say, God, what do you want to do through me? Our default mode is to ask, what can God do for me? And God can do a lot for you, and he has. But he wants to do great things through you. That's what you're here for. I'm going to ask you to stand at this time. As we close out this service, we're going to go into a time of baptism, which is a great illustration of what we're all about. We're going to see some people take that step of faith in public declaration. We're going to have a time of responding through worship and giving. We've got more exciting announcements, so don't leave. This is going to be incredible. But before we go, I want to have an opportunity for all of us to open our hearts to the Lord. You as a Christian before God, as a follower of Jesus, today is a pivotal day in your life. This is a day that God is really drawing you in and he's calling you to step up and to step out. Like the disciples, they left everything behind and they followed Jesus. And we've got to have that moment in our, our lives where we say, I'm deciding to follow Jesus. I'm not going back. I want to make a difference. I want to be a fisher of men. I want to let God do something great through me. So here's what I want to do. I want to ask you just to pray with me. And first and foremost, if you're here today, and you're listening to all this talk about Jesus and you say, man, I need Jesus. Like, I'm like one of those people in that crowd that need him. I need forgiveness. I need his love in my life. You can take that step of faith today. And while we're praying right now, I want you just to pray in your heart on your own. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to come into your life. And then after church is over, come up and pray with our prayer team. They want to pray with you. But all of us as a church family, as a church body, Let's pray together right now. I first want to pray God's blessing on your life. And I want to pray together with you that God would show us how we can be used, that we would be a greater impact in the valley for Jesus. Will you just agree with me? Will you think about some of the people that you know by name who need Jesus Christ? You know people in your family, your neighbors, your workplace. Let's pray together. I want you to lift your voice with me and pray together. Say, Jesus, we got we to gotta see your presence, Lord. We need you to move in our midst, Lord. Every person in this room, we are here for a purpose. We want to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, this is a church that is dedicated to following you and to fishing for people. We declare that we are a battleship. We're not a cruise ship, Lord. We are going all in for you, Lord. We know people that need you, and so we realize we're here to be a part of reaching them. And God, I pray that every person in this room would experience your blessing in their lives, your power in their lives, and that you would show us in new ways how we could be used by you and how we can make a difference in this world, Lord. We are not finished yet. We are only getting started, God, and the best is yet to come through Jesus Christ. We know this is possible. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. Do great things, Lord. We've seen you do great things in the past, and we want to see you do them again through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Come on, let's sing. Let's worship the Lord. Let's declare the truth of this song. We want to see God do it again, what he's done in us before. This is true.
and he wants to. Let's do this. Come on.